Hello and welcome to Latex Weekly, episode 23rd, June 2021. Latex Weekly is brought to you by Latex, your protection from tech ignorance. My name is Sean. This week's news, Windows 11 is coming. Here's what to expect. Windows will be unveiling a next generation. Uh, Microsoft will be unveiling the next generation of Windows on the 24th of June, Eastern Time, or I guess early 25th June here in GMT8. There There has been a leak last week that sparked a lot of conversations and controversial comments going in the tech world, which are somewhat polarized. Windows 11's leak showed a platform that looked a lot like Chrome OS. For those who are not exposed to Chrome OS, they would often liken it to Mac OS, which is not entirely wrong. The sweeping, the quote, sweeping visual rejuvenation, as mentioned uh, by Satya Nadella and Windows in their blogs, included centralized icons on the taskbar. So now for Windows, the taskbar is always leaning towards the left side, right? Near the start button. So the new one will be center aligned. Not as if we can't already do that with Windows. It has already been, been done a long time ago, but now they are making it official. One press of a button, you can do that. Uh, and Windows, like all the app windows will have rounded edges, like what Mac OS and Chrome OS already have. And uh, they have more colorful folder folders as well. You can actually color code the folders, which I like, which macOS isn't doing right now. You have a little tab, but it, the entire folder itself is not color coded. So this one probably they take from, um, from Google Drive. And of course, better sounds and wallpapers as well. There is also a more advanced Windows snapping tool where you can snap into different corners of your screen uh, that would be nice. Um, it already is available in other third-party apps because being Windows, you can download a lot of third-party apps and actually do these things anyway. But it's nice for it to be um, embedded into Windows because when things are embedded into Windows, built by Windows, it, it works better. Many reviewers and tech journalists criticize it as being a reskin version of Windows 10. And it said it lacked creativity because they, they say that it's going to be sweeping visual rejuvenation. So, you know, we we have... We've come to expect something really epic going on. But now that we look at it, it's probably just, it looks like it's reskin because underneath is exactly the same thing. It works exactly like Windows 10 anyway, which I agree. But I also remember Microsoft trying to be exceptionally creative with their Windows 8. And look what that got them. Windows 8 was one of the most wild, one of the wildest Windows ever. And everybody hated it because it's not Windows enough. So, you know, here you go. When you build things that are two windows, people complain there is no changes. When you build things that is not that is very far from Windows, they say it's not Windows enough and nobody knows how to use it. And it's very difficult to use and everybody's a critic and so difficult to please everyone. Unlike the Mac, which is only used by less than 10% of the world's consumers and corporate population, Windows has a lot of responsibility in keeping everything where it has been because there are so many more people, especially in the corporate world, using it, right? And they also have the responsibility of refreshing its outlook and functionalities. So in order to balance these two, many people who use a Mac or Chromebook will also have a Windows machine for everything else the former two systems cannot do. Because let's let's be honest, Windows is the only system out here of the three major systems, or four including Linux, of the four major systems that can do the most things that the other three cannot do. Chrome is good at one thing. Mac is good at one thing. Linux is good at one thing. But Windows tries to be everything for everyone, which is very good at. Therefore, it is not the best at any. 
So on top of all these expectations, right, we have to understand that Windows is the OS that needs to work across infinite legacy apps and systems. So many third-party apps used by, I guess some are used by millions of people and some are used by one organization only. They have to work across all these. And most old people perhaps, like for example, people who are older started their computing journey with Windows because Mac devices were too expensive and too unattainable. And it would, and they would really fume if Windows suddenly changed where everything is and how everything works. So the design language or the UI or the UX has to be the same. So that's it. I think Windows will be really helpful if it can work towards becoming leaner rather than building bulky and unnecessary, unnecessary visual appeals. So which means that it becomes more efficient. If they incorporate a little of the things that they learned right, from Windows 10X into the 11, that would make everyone happier because it, you, like now in order to work properly, you need 16 gigabytes of RAM, right, for example. But if Windows 11 can trim it down, make it work so efficiently that even with the eight gigabytes of RAM, suddenly everything works faster, that will be amazing. But of course, they always have this thing where they need to help the, help the hardware makers make money as well. And therefore, 16 gigabytes and 32 gigabytes these are the ones that make them money because they have to continuously always buy a new machine for that. So yeah. Yes. Most importantly, if they can make it free to upgrade, that would be epic. Because why? Unlike last time, Windows is not depending on... Uh, Microsoft is not depending on Windows solely for profits. Microsoft has a lot of other business out there and they're doing very well, very profitable. So if they provide Windows 11 for free or at a very heavily discounted price, that would be amazing. Microsoft Fluid coming to Teams, OneNote, and more. Before we get into the news, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering what exactly is Microsoft Fluid. Imagine you have a document format that allows you to create a table, checklist, agenda, notes, table, graphics, charts, and everything from one document sheet and share it live across entire Microsoft 365 apps. So now you have, traditionally you have Microsoft Words that works with, well, documents. Um, Excel that works with spreadsheets, numbers and tables and measurements and everything like that. So the calculations and everything like that. Then you have PowerPoint that does charts, graphs and presentations and all that. So Fluid is supposed to be one document sheet that is able to, do everything. And then on top of that, you can also collaborate with people in the Fluid app itself, a lot like how Google Docs is working. Google Drive is working. You can have all these names with colorful stuff and they're doing all these things together. Then there is another layer which takes it far beyond Google Drive, which is the ability to take this one table or this one task list and paste it onto every any other platform in Microsoft 365. For example, in your meeting in Microsoft Teams, on your OneNote, in an Outlook. And when you change the data in one of it, it reflects everywhere else. So you don't have to go through multiple layers of it and open multiple documents in order to get the content you want or the data that you want. Everything will sync accordingly. So um, Fluid has been in the preview mode for a year now, and it's officially coming to corporate and education accounts. No news on its availability uh, to individual accounts, even the ones who have paid for Microsoft 365. I pay for Microsoft 365. 
an individual account and I don't get it. So this is something that probably need, need a bit of time, I guess. I hope we will get it. Um, this is Microsoft learning, finally, learning from the success of Google Docs, Google Drive, and then taking it a step further. In my experience, um, okay, this is my personal experience. I don't know about anybody else, but my experience, Microsoft Teams and Windows Store, um, by using all these, right, I can safely say that Microsoft isn't very good at, at and very reliable at building consistent cloud apps that work all the time. I've had a lot of trouble downloading anything from, my, uh, from Windows Store because the thing just keeps spiraling and nothing gets downloaded, right? And we are using Microsoft Teams for organization now and I, I am always really, really considering moving to Google because chats don't sync properly. I can't attach. I can't add attachments to my chats. Some things don't work. It doesn't load. When I hit my notification on my phone to go to the app, the app keeps like going on this loop that never ends and cannot show me the, the chats. It's very annoying. And I believe that Microsoft is not very good at cloud apps. They are learning though, but they're not very good at it. Google has also just announced a similar project called Smart Canvas, where it allows us to create templates using Google Docs. Same thing, Google Docs with all the templates, with all the sheets and everything like that. And you can actually collaborate it and you carry the doc into Google Meets and collaborate, uh, collaborate live as well. But it doesn't allow users to carry that table across to other apps and have them be updated live there. So I guess this is finally happening, right? After so many years, Microsoft is making a comeback and it, it, they are giving Google the run for its money. I'm very excited at this. And I hope that this level of competition will continue to improve this document management um, market. Yeah. Anyway, Leica releases its own phone. It's called the Leitz, L-E-I-T-Z, Leitz Phone 1. And it's the first ever phone by Leica. The release was backed by SoftBank and it's only available in Japan. Of course, the most important part of the phone is the camera, definitely. It spots a single 20 megapixel, one inch sensor. It's the biggest in any phone by far with a 19 mm equivalent F1.9 ultra wide lens. Yes, single lens, 1.9, F1.9 ultra wide, 19 millimeter ultra wide. So which means that any zoom that happens, it will be digital crops, but with 20 megapixel, hopefully the crop would make sense and will not degrade the quality of the photo. But this phone isn't entirely like I mean, Sharp has released a similar device called Aquas R6, which also has the same Leica branded camera system. Although Sharp's unit does not have a lens cap and matching case. So I guess it's essentially Sharp rebranded as Leica and Leica has a little bit of fluff in there. And here's the catch. The Leica Phone 1, the Lates Phone 1, sells for 187,000 yen, which is around 7,000 ringgit. What can I say? It's a Leica. Anybody who buys a Leica would be happy to pay this price, right? Someone tried to sell Jay-Z's first album via NFT. The idea of choosing the word tried means it wasn't successful. Fellow co-founder of Rockefeller Records, RAF, Damon Dash, tried to sell an NFT of Jay-Z's 1996 album debut, debut album, Reasonable Doubt, without the approval or even the knowledge of Jay-Z. Dash partnered with platform Superfarm to auction the album out as NFT, calling it, quote, one of the most significant NFT auctions to date as it would transfer rights to all future revenue 
generated by the album from Damon Dash to the auction winner. Boom, that is the one. I mean, like, wow, if that doesn't spark some ideas on what NFTs can do, I don't know what will. Anyway, Jay-Z filed a lawsuit blocking the auction, of course, claiming that Dash has no rights to sell a company asset he doesn't own. Dash, on the other hand, claimed that he is only trying to sell his share to RAF rather than the entire album. In a way, it makes sense, right? Dash also said that RAF's move is to force him to sell off his share of the company, thereby giving Jay-Z the entire share. So I guess they already have beef from the beginning with each other. So this is the part where it gets out of control. But in any case, think about this, right? Um, you can, this, this, this quote, I, I'm going to read this out again. This quote is the one that, that really gets everyone. Um, it transfers the rights to all future revenue generated by the album from Damon Dash to the auction winner. Buying that NFT, it's no longer just owning a piece of code that is attached to a duplicatable uh, artwork or something anymore. It's no longer that you can have the rights to revenues generated for the ownership of something. And that is the one that converts NFT into a fancy tech keyword into something really, really marketable and capitalized, cap, capitalizable, I guess that's the word. Would you like to buy an NFT? The word capitalizable is available for Malaysia and Thailand links QR payment. Bank Negara Malaysia and Bank of Thailand are working to link QR payment linkages across borders, which will let people from both countries use their national QR platform from their side of the border to pay for goods and services on the other side. Right now, Thai nationals can use Prompt Pay, which is Thai, the Thai's national QR platform. They can use them in Malaysia by scanning Do It Now QR codes. And the reciprocal linkage is being worked on now. The final phase will allow users from both countries to make real-time fund transfers by referencing mobile numbers of the recipient, much like what Do It Now is doing with Malaysians. Um, it's a good timing for this, I suppose, by the time the borders open between these two countries, we will no longer need to change exchange money to, we will no longer need to exchange money to go to Thailand to use, uh, to buy stuff from Thailand. We can just use our own do it now and do the transfer there. And I would assume that the transaction rate will be lower as well. I mean, yeah, it being a government initiative and all that, right? And yeah, imagine if we can do it between all the ASEAN countries, that would be brilliant. Good job, Bank Nagara and uh, Bank of Thailand. I like this idea. That's all for this week's Latex Weekly. Latex Weekly is available on Anchor FM, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Cast, Radio Public and more. Our full videos are available on YouTube and I post bits and clips on Instagram and Facebook. If you like Latex Weekly, it would really help if you could rate and review it on the podcast video of your choice and YouTube so more can discover and possibly even like it as well. Latex Weekly is looking for a regular co-host to bring more depth to the show if you are interested. Simply drop me an email at Sean, E-Q-T, that is S-H-A-W-N, B for Bangkok, Q for Queensland, T for Thailand, at hotmail.com. Yes, I use Hotmail because Hotmail is cool. Again, that is all for Latex Weekly, episode 23rd, June 2021. My name is Sean. See you next week. Stay safe. Au revoir.